everyone, and welcome to episode 76 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we play towards a trillion in the Kung Fu Arcade filled with animated cards. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, One trillion dollars. Yes, (laughs) it's... uh... It's a it's it was a rough week as far as uh, new game releases, but uh, there was some big Apple news to start us off. Yeah, Apple more than made up for it. So, Apple announced their third quarter of 2018 earnings. That's the quarter that runs April to June. And as you know, if you follow Apple, that's not exactly their new product launch window. So that means it's tougher. You know, you're still kind of on the trail end of products you released last fall, but that didn't stop Apple. They posted earnings of $53.3 billion in revenue and $11.5 billion in profit. You compare that to the year-ago quarter of $45.4 billion and $8.7 billion. And obviously, Apple is gaining. I mean, they're making $3 billion more in profit and almost $10 billion more in revenue. And they said it's mainly due to the fact that the average sale price of the iPhone has gone up. It used to be $694, and now it's up to $724. So they didn't have a huge increase in number of phones sold, but each phone they're selling is over $25 more a pop. Right, right. Yeah, you don't have to sell more when you're selling them for more money. And I think this was actually their best quarter ever, right? With the $53.3 billion, Yeah, their sure. best third quarter yeah, ever. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, they're just raking in the money and this is still i mean like you said when you first started this isn't even like their new launch window for new products they're just selling the models that they already have out there and because they cost more they're making more money on these so uh good for them yeah in terms of unit numbers apple sold 41.3 million iphones up from 41 million so just a few more but then Mac sales dropped from 4.29 million in the year ago quarter to 3.72 million. So that was probably the biggest drop. And then iPads bumped up slightly from 11.42 to 11.55. But the Mac's worth noting because those new MacBook Pros, they didn't launch until July. So that was going to be included completely in Q4 earnings for Apple. Right. And I mean, it's also interesting to look at those numbers and you see how Apple used to be a Macintosh company like that was their product. And now it's just a small fraction of their their overall sales goal. It's really the iPhones and the iPads that are carrying all of this, especially once you have an iPhone that costs just about as much as an actual MacBook does. So I, it's crazy. Like, if you had looked at this years ago, you would have never imagined this massive shift in the Mac being such a small part of their their overall product catalog. And speaking of that, when you look at the product breakdown, the iPhone accounts for 56% of Apple's entire earnings. But the one sector that is showing growth is services, which is now up to 18% of Apple earnings. They said they now have over 300 million subscribers across their different platforms and Apple Music saw growth of over 50%. Apple Care is growing the highest rate in 18 quarters. Cloud service revenue is up 50%. So all those different services, essentially that's where Apple's growth is right now, is providing different services for your Mac, your iPhone, and your iPad. 
Yeah, so the Apple Music still kind of confused me at how that's still growing because they're really not offering a lot more unless it's just convenience that people are going for Apple Music because it's the one that's right there on their device. It's, it's kind of baked in and they can just go right to it. The Apple Care does not surprise me at all. Once you start carrying around a $1,000 phone in your pocket, <laughs> a lot of people are going to get nervous and will pay for basically an insurance plan and that's apple care because that's the simplest it's right there you know apple's gonna be able to replace it you're not dealing with a third party that doesn't surprise me at all that that shot up it just the sheer number of people that i know they're broken iphone screens and other various things by dropping their phones or their kids drop their phones that that is a no-brainer that that was going to climb as the prices climbed yeah and so that's where Apple's going to continue to make money. And I guess it makes sense, like you said, to keep those $1,000 phones so people are even more paranoid about the potential damage that could come to them. Right, right. Yeah, uh, one other thing that was kind of shocking to me uh, that came out of this is the AirPods. Both of us use them. I'm using mine right now. They're still, the demand for those are still higher than, like, it's been 18 months since those launched. And the demand is still greater than what they have for supply. The still are people are still having trouble getting the AirPods, and we still are awaiting that next version with the the Wi-Fi, the wireless charging on the case. But people are still clamoring for these, and still for some reason can't seem to get them. Yeah, that is surprising. It's been over two years, and <laughs> you think by now, especially with the refresh probably coming this fall if i had to bet on it that apple would you know get inventory supply supply chain to be completely filled for any potential orders but i guess not yeah and so with apple doing so well and so you know we've talked about their quarterly earnings on every podcast we can possibly have and you know in the past there's been some downturns. There's been some Wall Street analysts that don't like Apple because Apple didn't prove that they were a growth company. It didn't seem like they could get anywhere. So their stock kind of flatlined. And then Apple did that dividend split back in 2014. And then they did one more recently in 2016. And so when they do that, it makes it so their share isn't like 600 or $700 a share. It's because they have so much volume. And then with these earnings doing so well, and service is showing a growth company, it all kind of combines together that Apple's new share price reached $200. This is the first time since the split that it reached $200 per. And with 9.97 million shares out there, Apple's now the first $1 trillion valuation company ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's up to over 207 a share now. I think it was slightly down today, but... Yeah, it's that's crazy to have a trillion dollar company. I, I don't know if there's been other ones outside the U.S. or if this is <clears throat> just the first publicly traded U.S. company to hit it. But that's an insane market cap value. Like I don't, I don't know. It's like unfathomable. Yeah, so they're the world's only publicly traded company to be a trillion, and you know. Google is heading towards that direction. Facebook was heading towards that direction to until they took that recent gigantic nosedive, though they'll probably recover eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and But Apple's the first one to do it, and I don't see them you know, falling back under that trillion anytime soon just because the iPhone 
is probably going to keep at that pace of selling at a higher cost. So even if they don't grow iPhone sales, they've reached, you know, max capacity of people are going to buy iPhones. This is essentially what they've done. But now they're spending more. So if the iPhone continues at its current pace and then services grows into maybe 25% of their earnings, Apple's going to stay at a trillion dollars. Right, especially if they can do something with Apple Music to even expand it to get more people in there. Not just people buying their devices, but have a way for people outside of the current ecosystem to get in there. They could really grow that part of their business. And I think that's where the growth is going to be, unless they come out with some other consumer product that we don't really know about yet that really is a huge hit that people all seem to want to buy. Yeah, that seems less and less likely because I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the car. And (laughs) (laughs) the watch is kind of, it's there. It's doing better than any other pretty much watch brand. Not, you know, necessarily wearable technology, just even watches. But then that still is limited in terms of potential market cap for how much the iPhone and iPads make in comparison. And so really, I, I think it's services. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But then that also ties into the App Store because the App Store continues to grow. Players and people are spending billions of dollars over the lifetime of the App Store. And now since Apple's doing so well with the App Store, they've decided to end their third-party affiliate program. So both of us and pretty much any company that ever talks about apps uses the affiliate program. So the links are specialized and you earn a small percentage once readers click on those links and download apps or maybe convert into in-app purchase, any of that kind of stuff. So Apple's completely ending that. They decided that since they've redesigned the App Store, they've fixed app discovery. It's so great that we don't need to pay any third parties anything for people to find apps. And so they're still going to have all the same kind of affiliate programs for movies, TVs, books, music. It's just apps that they're singling out that they've, I guess, solved that conundrum. Right, yeah, and I mean, Google doesn't do it with their store, but still, Apple has this whole massive fan base of people and all these sites that write about their apps, help people find games, other than the stuff that Apple happens to be featuring on a week-by-week basis on their on their app store within the devices. Otherwise, you're not going to hear about this stuff as often from third-party sites because this was an easy way for the sites to, to to make any kind of money without kind of any problems with saying that we're biased because of such and such an app. No, it didn't matter what you were buying. This was, you were going to buy it anyways, and we the, the sites just got a tiny 2.5% of whatever you happen to spend on that app, the little dollar that you spent. Or, and even before this full cutout, which is going to end on October 1st, Apple last year, about a year ago, knocked down the amount of affiliate. Originally, it was 7% that they were giving to anyone in the affiliate program, and that knocked down to 2.5% last year, and now they're just going to completely eliminate it. I definitely foresee this as a big problem of any apps being discovered that aren't the ones that Apple decides to write about within the App Store. It's going to make it even tougher for smaller app developers that might have something that just Apple decides is not worth featuring or it's just not something that they want to promote. 
they're going to have a lot tougher time making any kind of money on the App Store. And I think it's actually going to end up hurting the whole ecosystem rather than the small amount of money that Apple is going to retain by doing this. Yeah, so if you've ever visited any site related to apps, there's now less incentive to write about apps. So I figure some companies are kind of going to get out of the app writing business or, you know, maybe accent their content with console games or, you know, Steam games or whatever the case may be. And then not only that, like you said, if you ever visit the new redesigned app store, Apple does a great job of featuring what just came out. They always have an updated list. You check in. There's always those new games have big banners or whatever the case may be. But you've also probably seen that after a week or two, those games are gone. And so if you don't check the App Store very often, you might miss some games completely entirely. And even if you are like a fan of any particular genre, it's tough to find hot releases. Like say you like Telltale games. It's tough to find any of the Telltale games exist on the App Store unless you purposely search for Telltale. And so it's really an odd choice because any of those people who are pushing you any type of content outside of what's featured obviously helps the App Store. So to remove that and then to have an, a supposedly iOS 11 App Store that is great on discoverability, but we've always talked about how the banner placements are now big, huge companies. You know, you can see what's featured. It's not necessarily the best games. It's what necessarily has the biggest name or the biggest potential drawing or, you know, fan interest, regardless of game quality. So that's what Apple's going to continue to focus on. And they make, I guess, so much money from those games that it doesn't matter. Once you have that Harry Potter game or a new Candy Crush game or Clash of Clans sequel, I guess that's plenty of money that makes up for any other third-party developer games that could be pushed from other sites. Right, yeah, I mean, I, it just doesn't even make sense where they have all these other avenues of pushing people to their app store. Why do they want to control the one single narrative of these are the apps everyone should be downloading when you have all these other voices pointing to all kinds of other apps that might be on the store? And so, I don't know, it just seems like they really want to drive traffic to their catered app store these are the apps that everyone should be playing and it doesn't it's not going to help things it's only going to make it worse so i think it's short-sighted but and i i don't know if they would bring it back if they did take it off but i i really hope they reconsider before this october 1st deadline and decide to keep it so i guess they set us up for it next year by cutting it because once they cut it last year it made it a lot harder to make revenue from the affiliate program. So to kind of set you up that to get rid of it entirely, it's not like it was a big money maker and then get rid of it entirely. They cut it in half. So you're like, why do I even use this anymore? And now they get rid of it entirely. So it's not a big of a blow. But this time next year with the affiliate program gone and without really the app store changing their discovery panel to serve more niches and different cater to different sections because right now it emphasizes really popular casual games that's what the app store featured page always emphasizes so if you have any kind of niche or interest outside of that it's going to be tough for the app store to cover that as uh, constituted after october 1st 
Right, yeah. I mean, some occasionally they'll have little stories here and there where they feature certain categories of apps, and sometimes that goes away from their, their usual stuff. But on a weekly basis, you're just going to basically have this set of this is what Apple is going to show you, and finding anything else is still going to be just as tough as it used to be without your ability to go and look at a third-party site that shows you other stuff that you may have missed because it's not in that one little screen that Apple gives you. I guess you don't get to become a trillion-dollar company without stepping on the little guys to get there. <laughs> yeah, step on the people that helped build you up. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Especially at least we'll still have month service sector. Yeah, at least we'll still have months of old uh, apps to to look at. If you look in the non games category, those apps are around in that list forever. Right, and you could barely, you know, updated two point zero one, fixed translation internationally, and so then it gets back up to the featured page. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's pretty much the Apple News of the Week. They're making a ton of money, but they're kind of changing their core values of their service sector to do it. And so we'll stock, still talk about apps. It's worth noting that there's no affiliate version or incentive for us to talk about these apps. So <laughs> <laughs> luckily, that doesn't matter. We're not paid content. It doesn't. We're not, uh, you know, biased towards any particular brand or advertising or any kind of marketing whatsoever. We try to find the best stuff to talk about that's worth talking about. And for apps that this week, it's Animatrix, which is a new photo app or at least an updated photo app that lets you essentially bring your photos to life. So it's not full-on animation. It's not like you have a person standing there going to run across the screen. Essentially, it's made for kind of still images to show these subtle kind of movement or just, you know, it's not like live photos or anything like that or those Harry Potter style images. It's more just the kind of lines and the vectors on your screen jiggle and shake around to more artistic kind of version of your photos rather than bringing your photos to life. Right. I think you said Animatrix. It's actually Animatics. No, there's okay, no R yes. in there. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, so it, I think the the company uh, Code Organa that made this app, they, they previously had a Tune camera app, which kind of let you make your, um, your photos into like a cartoony or a sketch kind of drawing. What this does is it seems to have a lot of those same features from that app, but now they've added this kind of like a shaky motion that you can kind of have to give like a sense of motion to your photos. And if you went with the black and white and this motion, you can get that whole aha, take on me kind of feel for one of the settings on there. But it, it does a really nice job with that cartoon style. The The motion is subtle. You can really increase it to, like, have it really shake. It definitely is not the type of app you're going to be using all the time. It's kind of when you want to go for a specific artistic style. And the, the one aspect that I thought was kind of missing where it applies, like, this whole motion to everything that's on the on the picture and you can adjust like the frequency of the wave you can just you can choose from like i think of about 24 different kind of different styles of the shakiness of, and the one thing that was missing for me is like a mask so they have a sample example 
picture in there where this woman is standing by a waterfall and they put a nice little subtle kind of almost looks like a wavy thing that's moving that almost makes the waterfall look like it's moving. The problem is everything else is also moving as well where if you could set a mask on this to have just a certain portion of the picture move with this special motion, I think it would be much more striking visually because then you could highlight a portion of the picture. It does do a nice job of like, if you had a selfie against like a plain background, it does a nice job of kind of figuring out your face or your, your body and it kind of just seems to animate that part. But having an actual mask would really allow the user to kind of clean things up and have it really focus on certain areas. I think it would just be a, a better experience and more useful to use it on a lot of different pictures rather than maybe just this occasional have like this apply these effects. But it, I mean, it was super easy to use. You pretty much have to do nothing. You just flip through, can adjust the frequencies, just the, the styles, and you immediately have everything like perfectly rendered in this, in this animated kind of poppy cartoony style. Yeah, I, I agree completely. If you could paint in the effect, it would just make it so much better. So you could focus on specific elements. You're, parts of your photos would really pop because like you said this developer we've seen apps from them before they have nailed the cartoon effects and those different kind there's 12 included just standard adjust photo effects and then there's 24 of the motion versions of those photo effects but to be able to apply that regular basic photo effect and then bring life to specific elements of it i think it would make for a better app because as it stands bringing the whole thing moving around, you kind of say you would share it to Instagram or something, you scroll through it, you see someone share that, you're like, oh, that's kind of neat, and you keep scrolling. But if you had it where just the river or waterfall was flowing or just one person in a group shot was flowing, your eyes would kind of latch to it, and it would be this neat kind of artistic style rather than this you know, fire hose blast of here, let's throw every kind of effect we can on the screen. Right, right. If everything's shaking, then it kind of loses that really the the thing where you want them to focus in on that one thing that's kind of moving. Uh, so the three things you can adjust are the amplitude, frequency, and the tempo to really get that motion exactly how you want it. Uh, one thing I, I want to mention is <clears throat> the app itself is $1.99, where it's the type of app where I think a lot of people would want to try it before they buy it. And so it, I think it might benefit from a style, uh, more of a monetization style of where the user can try one of the effects. Maybe they choose one of them or maybe they choose all of them and you can kind of see what it is. But if you want to save the photo, then you have to unlock the whole app. But it just seems like the type of thing where you'd want to play with it a little bit and see how the the various controls work and try it out before you commit to buying it. Granted, it's only $1.99, but it seems like it would be benefit from that style versus just an outright buying the app, especially where it's the type of thing where you're not going to use it all that often. They, they previously released an app called Relight Better Photos, which 
does a absolutely phenomenal job of correcting lighting and coloring on photos that you've already taken. That one I have, and that one I use much more often. Like that's one you might use weekly or maybe even multiple times a week on photos that just came out a little too dark and you just want to correct the lighting. This one, and I highly recommend that app if you haven't tried it, but this one, I just think it's so niche and that you're not going to use it as often that maybe a different pay style would be better for it. Yep, definitely agree with, you know, any kind of that really focused photo effects versus a photo editor or photo editor you use for many photos where photo effects you use for a very small subset, especially with this one kind of makes that subset even smaller because only certain photos I think are going to work with the motion effect. Yeah. And so that's animatics. It's a dollar ninety nine and it's universal. And so that means it's time for some new games. And this week we're starting out with Shaq Fu, which comes from an Indiegogo campaign and it's directly connected to Shaquille O'Neal. He does the voice work and there's a whole little story intro for the reason that he's now a kung fu master and he's fighting or he's fighting it all instead of playing basketball and if you've ever played or you've seen uncle drew then you've seen Shaq in that kung fu style so it's pretty funny even though it's the time difference because this was four years in the making but they finally released it and it's that arcade side-scrolling beat-em-up game you play a Shaq you have an array of action buttons on the right side of the screen, and you throw various beatdowns onto all kinds of different enemies, big bosses, and there's an actual storyline to proceed through as you travel along the countryside, facing off against these different type enemies, and then as you go, the enemies are going to require special moves. So you'll have the standard just beatdown enemies, but then you'll have ones where you need to break their shield with the big uh, shoe smash, or ones where you need to dash into them to get close and then there's also a shockwave power and these are all going to be earned up as you do the regular attack and earn these little blue energy cells and you know I didn't expect much when I read the name heard I was like okay this is just like a quick little gimmick game with Shaq's name but if you take Shaq out of it it's a pretty enjoyable kung fu battle game and if you include Shaq in it's actually pretty funny storyline and really good voice work. So it has just a really surprising release. Yeah, yeah. This was one that kind of really impressed me. Like, I, I I, didn't have high expectations going in. I never played the original Shaq Fu, which came out, like, for the... I believe it was the Genesis and SNES in, like, 1994. That one was more <laughs> of a, uh, like, a Mortal Kombat-style fighting game. But then this one got... Uh, not Kickstarter, but Indiegogo... Um, and made 450000 I think around like December of 2016, the developers made it sound like the game was almost done. And now we're here almost like a year and a half after that and finally it released. And I, I guess it's missing a bunch of the features that they promised backers, but it did come out on consoles. They did drop the Wii U and PS3 and Xbox 360 versions because now those are pretty much useless. Uh, but they did come out on consoles. They're coming out on the Switch, and they have this iOS version. 
I don't know if there's any differences between all three of these releases, but or all four, I guess, technically, of all these releases. And But for iOS, it was pretty impressive. I mean, my only complaints, I mean, the production values are through the roof. The, the audio, the graphics are, are really excellent. It's those virtual controls that sometimes it just seemed to stop working for me. And then as far as like there's this whole console of buttons that you can't just use that muscle memory you would if you had a physical controller of knowing exactly this is my kick button, this is my jump button, this is my punch button, these are my other special special attack buttons. I prefer that style in a beat-em-up game. I don't usually like to have virtual controls, so I think that kind of frustrated me. But otherwise, like everything else was phenomenally good. Like I was so surprised at how good this game really was. The difficulty, not so much, even on normal mode, it was fairly easy, but otherwise, uh, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. It's not going to be the most challenging beat em up game that you've ever played. But like I said, there's still some variation in the style of enemies. So you don't just mash the same button over and over again. You actually have to be cognizant of the other buttons. But like you said, you also do have to look down from time to time to make sure you're tapping on specific buttons rather than just knowing I'm pressing A, B, X, square, whatever the case may be. Right, right. And and as far as like the gameplay goes... I do like how they have all these wide variety of enemies that are coming in. Some of them need certain types of attacks to take them out. You can pick up the weapons of some of these things and really like... It feels like a retro brawling game. And uh, they then they even toss in some more modern things like the characters come from off the screen. He'll make like break the fourth wall and make comments about the fact that this was like an Indiegogo campaign and make comments to... a about certain things the story is humorous and i i think if you like those classic style brawling games i think you're really gonna enjoy this and on ios you get to try it out for free so you might as well just go ahead and grab it and and check it out and then there's also the icy hot patch health upgrades the <laughs> ironic icy yeah. hot patch yes <laughs> Yeah, Shaq never has a problem of kind of making fun of himself, and you can tell that he had fun doing recording the voice dialogue just with the way he does various kind of inflections with his voice. And it's just a fun game. If you like any type of remote interest in brawler games, beat em up, the side-scrolling nature, the kind of 2.5D artistic style where you have some depth of movement in this side-scrolling idea, that all just fits it really just fits as a entire kind of game and so it's going to be like you said free to download and then if you you get to play the first chapter and then a few additional levels and then it's 4.99 to unlock the full experience if you like what you're playing through Right, and that four ninety nine. If this is the same as like the console version, that's a good deal because I believe it's twenty dollars on the Xbox. It might even be forty dollars on a Switch, but. I don't think those have like local multiplayer or multiple characters like they were originally supposed to. So I think you're getting the same game and you get a decent, a nice try in that free thing to play through that entire first level, go against the bosses. They have a little like tutorial to teach you the things first and you definitely should check it out. Yep. So that's Shaq Fu free universal. And then there's 
Juanito Arcade Mayhem, which is an interesting game that takes in that kind of classic vertical shooting idea where you have items coming from above, you need to get it underneath them, line it up, and take it out. And then it mixes it with this whole arcade storyline where each set of levels is themed based on classic arcade games. So you start out, it's this whole Tetris world, and then you'll transition, there might be a breakout world, etc. All these like classic themed ideas that actually impact the game. So in the Tetris world, you know, you're shooting these little green bouncing balls, which are essentially the bugs infecting the arcade game. But also Tetris pieces will come falling down in the meantime. And then there's also special sections built where a whole bunch of Tetris blocks might come down or there's a whole glitch section where you need to just get to the openings and dodge the blocks. And they just build upon that with each new themed world to fully kind of embrace the arcade idea while built on kind of a familiar and similar mechanic that just amps up in complexity with the number of things bouncing around on screen that also start attacking you. They're not just, you know, bouncing around. Yeah, I have to imagine this game was inspired by Wreck-It Ralph because you even have, like, glitching <laughs> things. I don't yes. know. It seemed very Wreck-It Ralph to me. But, yeah, it's if you don't like that style of shooting things above you, then you're immediately going to be turned off in this game. It reminded me a lot of uh, the Bug Butcher Noodle Cakes game that they released, which I quite enjoyed. I did I did enjoy this a lot, but it started to get a, a bit repetitive to me. I, I really like the whole graphical style and the way they kind of pander to my love of uh, classic arcade games where you have all of these familiar elements. I loved how you can push those Tetris blocks to kind of get them out of the way, and then you had to watch out for the ones that came down super fast because they would hurt you. But and it was it was just not different enough for me to really like drive my interest for for that long. I, it feels like something I've already played a lot of in the past. But it's a well made game. It just for me didn't really I like I almost wish they took those elements of those other arcade games into effect a little bit more like somehow you were sort of playing those games as part of it rather than just that same shooting things above you mechanic the whole time through yeah bug butcher is a good example it also reminded me of Glorkian warrior that had yep. that similar kind of idea and like you I was playing through the game I wanted to get to the next world just to see if the gameplay would vary. Would it change? Or are the different themes more just kind of stylistic visual changes? And really, it doesn't impact the gameplay. They're there. They look really neat. It's nice, all the little details they put into the worlds. But it would have been much better if those impacted the gameplay so it's not that same vertical shoot 'em up over and over again. Any kind of subtle changes to embrace the theme rather than just the theme being a visual change exactly yeah and that's why i was so excited i'm like oh they got a tetris world this is going to be different than the next world and unfortunately they were just too similar for me i did like the different bosses but overall it just felt like the same thing just a different setting over and over again yeah it's a wonderful premise that i don't think is fully executed because the gameplay as it stands i think it's too repetitive you'll get kind of bored or lost in the monotony especially when you get those breaks in the levels and gives you this whole three-star scoring system you kind of want to just get into it and play that classic arcade you can unlock the survival mode to do that but then 
or at least by then, I think you're going to be so tired of the core gameplay mechanic, you're not going to want to try the survival mode. Right, right, yeah. It just needs more variety. Some Something in each level that's really different to kind of kind of get people to want to go play more and more. I think it's fixable. I think they could do it, but uh, it's going to require some changes. Yep, so that's Juanito Arcade Mayhem. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Mind Cards. If you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know that we both kind of like that modern take on Solitaire where it's single-player card-based game, but they change the deck of cards to give you brand-new unique challenges, whether it's Honor Rim or Card Thief or Miracle Merchant, just all these style of games, and Mind Cards fits right in with that idea, where essentially you have the full deck of cards and you need to tap on them in order to clear them off the board. So you have cards that might be monsters, potions, gold coins, or special attacks. So it's a lot like the one before Card Thief. Uh, card Crawl. Yeah, yeah. Card Crawl, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was drawing a blank too. Yeah, so it plays a lot like Card Crawl in that idea where you really need to think about the strategy of playing cards in certain orders where you attack monsters, you make sure you have enough health to handle the monster, then you take a potion to replenish your health to be able to face the next monster. And as you go... The games go by relatively quick. They're not as long as Card Crawl. It's, it's It seems like a more casual, friendly version of Card Crawl where you can play through it quicker. There's not as many decisions or complexity. That stack, that deck of cards isn't as long. And honestly, I just was hoping that when I played for the first few times, it felt kind of like an introduction, like a tutorial, and it, I wanted it to change. And it never seemed to evolve or take another step or give me more incentive to keep playing beyond unlocking new special cards. Yeah, see, I thought that it's that quick little game that you can just pop in and pop out, and there isn't a lot of depth to it, but I don't think it needs that. I, I do, I, getting, unlocking those additional cards was driving me forward to keep on playing, to see how these new cards affect things, and see just their different abilities and how they might make me, uh, change my approach on certain things. There's, I think there's other ways they could have probably improved the depth going forward, and maybe this is something that's going to be expanded in the future. I hope it is, to have it, like, maybe even have, like, a next game kind of built off of this to have something for those who want something a little more meatier. But it's funny you should mention Card Thief and Card Crawl because Arnold Rowers, who's the guy the developer behind tiny touch tales that made those games i saw a tweet from him which pointed me to this game and that's how i found it and because app store uh discoverability is not very good so fortunately <laughs> i have other people looking out for me and he pointed me to this game and i, I just loved it i think it's a, a nice quick cute little game and i don't think it has to be meaty i think it's uh a just a great little this is, I believe this might be his first app. I, he might have one other app, but I think this is his first game. And uh, I don't know. It's really fun if you just like those little quick something to do in line. And unlocking those cards, at least for me, drove me forward to want to play more. And they're very forthcoming with the coins to be able to unlock. You complete these little quests. There's different quests, and those reward you with a lot of coins to, to help you 
progress much quicker than just taking the number of coins equal to the number of gems you ended it with at the end of the, your your game if you managed to go through all of the cards in the deck. And so if you like those little solitaire style, quick little slightly thinky but not very thinky games that you can just kind of just do while you're trying to waste some time this one's super fast and you're it's only going to take like a minute or two to play a game and it's free completely free no one in app purchases whatsoever so there's really no excuse to just go and download it and check it out yeah the only problem for me is i thought that it was too easy because i find myself every day essentially jumping into card crawl Card Thief, Miracle Merchant, Honor Rim, or Meteor Fall. One of those games I'll probably play. And so I was playing Card Crawl recently, and just the direct comparison makes this game a bit too easy. Because Card Crawl, you only have four cards available at once. So you really have to make specific decisions. And then you have to clear three of the four. This game, you have all nine cards presented at once, or at least nine cards presented at once. And you have to. You can just take two off the screen and get a new deck. It seems like you always have a bunch of potion to be able to deal with the monsters. Some card crawl deals, especially if you do that daily deal, they stack the deck relatively difficult where you'll have a stretch where you'll face all monsters and you better make sure that you kept potions early on or you have special cards to deal with them. This one, it didn't seem like that emphasis was needed. You didn't need to be as strategic. That doesn't make it a bad game. It's just... I think I prefer a game where I have to be challenged more and think more in my spare time versus kind of just going through the motions. Yeah, I, th I think they could. This would benefit if you were able to make multiple difficulty levels where maybe you had a more difficult option where the 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 program was smart enough to build the deck and deal it out in such a way that was almost like a puzzle where you had to do certain things in certain order if you want to actually solve this particular setup and win this game, not give you like so many potions or so much food that you, you don't have a problem where you can eliminate a whole bunch of cards and then deal out the next batch and avoid certain characters for as long as you need to until those potions come up, make it so that it is super tight and every decision very much matters that you really have to play it a certain way if you're going to beat this. And I think that would appeal probably to what you want, and then that would allow someone who's ready to move on to something a little tougher could choose this other difficulty option. Yeah, I think difficulty modes would be the one thing that could really make this game compete with those other ones. Because as it stands now, after you play a few times, you've kind of seen the entire game, and I think you would just okay, I've won like three or four or five times in a row. That's not the most incentive to keep playing. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's only if you want to unlock all those 46 skill cards that that would be your motivation or complete all the quests. And at that point, once you're done the 23 quests, maybe you don't you don't really care anymore. Maybe that's not even enough of a cent incentive if it is so easy that uh, you just you don't mind it but i i don't know i guess it, it depends on what you're looking for but it, at a minimum i think people should check it out yeah no doubt it, it's fun i think i just might be biased because since i'm playing either card crawl or miracle merchant every day your mind just gets used to the complexities and thinking about every single card 
with an extra oh, yeah, degree. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, t- I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can make mistakes, and it doesn't mean you'll end up losing. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Yep. But it's definitely fun. It's, it's a great introductory to these modern solitaire-style games, and it's not going to disappoint for just a quick little one-minute playthrough of moving cards and using the food and the coins and all that. Right, yeah, I think this this developer, Christophe Coyard, I believe his name is, I think he's going to be one to watch because I have a feeling we're going to see other games in this style coming from him in the future. And I'm hoping the next one, yeah, is a little more complex, a little meatier, but I'm, this is definitely a developer I'm going to watch. Yep, so that's Mind Cards. It's free, it's universal, and I think that's everything for episode 76. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.